You are Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast on the Houston Rockets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everyone, to Locked on Rockets, your home for podcast coverage of the Houston Rockets. I'm your host, Ben DuBose. Well, folks, as we chat on this Monday, we are now just over 24 hours away from actual basketball. The Rockets take on, of all teams, Oklahoma City Tuesday night in the preseason opener up in Oklahoma. It's a fitting open to the season because, of course, these teams have been linked for some time, going all the way back to the James Harden trade. And then especially in the past year, you have had so many storylines. The teams played in the playoffs, the Rockets winning four games to one. And over the season, they played nine times, five times in the playoffs for the regular season. The Rockets won seven to the nine, but there were several very close games in there. And of course, these two teams, led by Russell Westbrook and James Harden, seem to have so many uh, common themes across them. Of course, there's the MVP race between Westbrook and Harden as well. And then you spin it forward to this offseason, these two teams did battle for, uh, well, it seemed like all the same players. Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, both of those going to the Thunder, although the Rockets, thankfully, also had success with a separate player going after Chris Paul. So both teams, they've been linked and pseudo-rivals for some time, and both this offseason got better. So now... Of all the teams you can possibly start with, this is definitely a fun one because it's certainly two teams that should, in my opinion, be in the top four in the Western Conference. And even though it's day one of the preseason, it very well could be a playoff preview. So there's certainly a lot to look forward to. And the good news, it's not just televised in Houston and in Oklahoma. It is a nationally televised game on NBA TV. So everyone out there in our Locked on Rockets audience, I hope that y'all are able to watch and see what happens on the floor. So what I'm going to do on this podcast, as we recorded a day before, is preview what I think that Rockets fans should be looking for. And I want to clarify leading off, when I say looking for, I mean things that are distinctive either about the Oklahoma City matchup or about it being the preseason opener. I'm not going to focus on obvious things because certainly, yes, you want to see how Chris Paul and James Harden play together. You also want to see what role players fit best when it's just Chris Paul versus which role players fit better when it's just James Harden. There's lots of Chris Paul, James Harden dynamics that are going to be fun to watch. Of course, you hope that the chemistry is there and that they're playing well, but that's true of any Rockets game. That's true of any game this preseason. It's true of any in the regular season. That's a big picture thing. And while it's true, it's also very obvious, and I think all of you guys that listen to me here at Locked on Rockets are already looking for those things. So rather than say the obvious, I'm going to try and give you a few unique things on this podcast that I think you probably should be looking for in this particular matchup with Oklahoma City. Now, I do also want to clarify, besides not really going into too much Chris Paul, James Harden stuff, I'm also not going to focus much on Russell Westbrook. There are a couple of reasons for that. First, personally, I don't think Westbrook is going to play in this game. As I'm sure many of you know, a week ago it was revealed that he was missing the start of Oklahoma City's training camp because he had PRP injections on his knee. He's had trouble with that knee for years. Actually, going back, I think, to when Pat Beverly got him in the playoffs way back in uh, the spring of 2013. So if he just had the PRP injections, I would be very surprised if the Thunder felt the need in a preseason game to push the envelope. Billy Donovan said, uh, I, I believe Sunday, that he wasn't sure if Westbrook was going to play. So for sake of argument, I'm going to assume he doesn't, just because I'd be surprised if they really uh, pushed the envelope in this setting. Maybe he wants to play against the Rockets of all teams because of the Chris Paul-James Harden matchups, but because it's the preseason, my guess is that Billy Donovan 
overrides him. But even if he does play, though, I really don't think we're going to learn that much new about how the Rockets defend him. Because first off, we already know how they defend him, the waves they sent at him in the playoffs, largely having a lot of success with it. Now, are there some differences between Chris Paul as an individual defender versus Pat Beverly as an individual defender? Sure. In general, I think Beverly might be a smidge more athletic in terms of a one-on-one defender, but Chris Paul is worlds better in terms of awareness and team defense. And when you look at how the Rockets have defended Westbrook in the past, it's never really been about one guy. Sure, Beverly does in a few possessions, but generally the success the Rockets have had has been throwing him different looks. Beverly for a few, then the length of Trevor Ariza, even the bulldog physicality of Eric Gordon. You've You've seen them throw all of those at Westbrook over various times, and rather than any one guy being dynamic on him, it's generally been that combination. And that's the type of thing, even if Westbrook does play, which I doubt, you're not going to see much of it in the preseason because the preseason is not good for tactical observations because no team is going to go out of their way, and especially no coach, to make it clear what strategies they're going to employ. I think everything's going to be vanilla, very basic. So if you're talking about things from a team tactical standpoint, such as how are the Rockets going to defend Russell Westbrook, A, I think we already have a good idea based on the playoffs. Of course, there'll be a little bit of variability with Chris Paul now in place of Patrick Beverly. But B, the preseason isn't a time to really focus on those tactical type things. With that said, though, While it's not a time to focus on the tactical things, there are some physical athletic things that, in my opinion, you can take out of the preseason. And that's why, to me, preseason in in the NBA, it's shorter this year, just five games, and that's part of the NBA's commitment to trying to make players fresher. They're taking a little bit off the preseason, making the regular season longer, which inherently brings more rest for players in between these games. But even though the preseason is shorter, it doesn't mean that it's without relevance. And in my opinion, basketball is one of the sports that lends itself to the preseason being able to tell a little bit more than others. I think we can all agree, for example, in football, preseason is not really a good indicator because so much in football is based on game planning. Everything is interconnected to something else. There are very few true one-on-one matchups where it's just about athleticism. Everything depends on the calls, the schemes on both offense and defense. So there's not a whole heck of a lot that you can tell from a preseason matchup when probably both teams are not operating as they would if it were a real game. Basketball, while, again, some decisions are certainly tactical, at the same time, there are other matchups where, yeah, it's just you and the other guy, and it is fair to see how certain players match up with certain styles of play against them. Are they able to check a guy or not? So that's where, if I'm a Rockets fan, there are some things unique to this Houston-Oklahoma City matchup that, to me, could offer a few tells for, while the Rockets overall in the season, but particularly how they match up with Oklahoma City, which I know a lot of people are very curious about, given that this is one of the other top four teams in the West and very easily could be a playoff opponent yet again. So what I'm going to do now, the three keys to watch for in the the OKC Houston preseason opener. My first one, Clint Capella against Steven Adams. And I'm leading with this because in the playoff series, it's sort of a lot of the flaws that the Rockets had, they did win four games to one, but it certainly wasn't pretty. Some of those games that they won, particularly game two and game four, were very, very close. And one of the problems was that Clint Capella from games two through four of that series was overmatched by Steven Adams. Now, game one, he was excellent, but game one was the one the Rockets were up by 30 points in the third quarter. Everybody looked great in game one. That was easy. 
Game two through four, you could see that Capella was having some problems with Steven Adams. And the thing about Adams, he is one of the few guys in the NBA that, yes, he's a physical bully, but he's also incredibly athletic and agile. And that's a unique problem because Clint's the kind of guy, especially now that he's bulked up, either he can beat guys with his athleticism or he's strong enough to hold his own around the basket. Steven Adams is one of the only guys that, yeah, he's really freaking strong, but he's also really athletic too. So when you have that matchup, and then especially when the series shifted back to Oklahoma City, which meant the crowd seemed to be in the officials' heads from time to time, that always happens, especially in playoff basketball, and Steven Adams got to be even more physical, that caused Clint Capella some problems. Now, the upside, and really there's two pieces of upside. First off, in the playoffs, it didn't really cost the Rockets because even though Capella underperformed in Game 3 and Game 4, Nene overperformed. I think we all remember this Sunday afternoon game, the Game 4, when the Rockets took control of the series, went up three games to one, and Nene was absolutely fantastic. A 28-10 and 10 game just played out of his mind. And so anything the Rockets lost from Capella, they got made up from Nene, who seemed better suited for that matchup. So at least it didn't cost them then. But the other upside is that Clint Capella did get better. Game five, the closeout game, he had eight points, but nine rebounds and four blocks in just 22 minutes. Capella did step up against Steven Adams in that closeout game five. He did improve, and of course, he carried over that production into the Spurs series, in which he was a largely very positive contributor there as well. So it's an evolution for Clint Capella, but as we've been saying all offseason, this is year four. This is when you're the closest thing to a finished product in most cases that you're going to be. So we want to see Clint Capella as Rockets fans be a legitimate starting center in the NBA, a potential top 10 presence in terms of centers around the league. Of course, Clint himself wants to prove it so he can get his big extension after the year. Well, this is a perfect opportunity to show it. It's not a real game, but folks, in terms of how Clint Capella handles the physicality of someone like Steven Adams, folks, it's not going to be all that different. You just have to hope, and he's added even more bulk this offseason. I've noticed it last week, and a lot of you guys looking at my videos of Clint have commented on it. To me, yeah, he looks even stronger, and I think a one-on-one matchup with Steven Adams, assuming Adams plays, and I have no reason to think that he won't going into this game, really, other than Russell Westbrook, I would expect most team, both teams to play pretty much everyone healthy. Now, there'll be limited minutes, but I think that the regulars will play. Maybe Nene is an exception for the Rockets because he's 35, but other than that, I'd be surprised if there are sit-outs, especially with only five preseason games and only four of them against NBA opponents in the Rockets' case. I think they'll play a lot of their regulars, and in the case of Clint Capella, we get to see just how he handles the type of center that in the past has been a unique problem for him because of that combination of both power and agility. Because generally, Clint makes his money through either being more athletic than a lot of centers around the league or being more powerful than many of the more athlete types. Steven Adams is one of the rare ones that truly has both. Clint did get better as the playoff series went along last year, and so you hope that uh, he builds off that game five, also builds off all the strength work he did in the offseason and has a positive showing out there against Oklahoma City. Second key I'm going to be looking for, who picks up Carmelo Anthony and how do they do? And of course, that starts with Ryan Anderson, because he's going to start the power forward spot. And of course, that in and of itself, Ryan Anderson versus Carmelo Anthony is going to be funny to watch, given that the two were almost traded for one another in the offseason. And of course, Ryan being in Houston inherently means that Carmelo is not. But the real reason I'm focusing on it, it's not so much about Carmelo in particular, but it's about there's a certain type of power forward that we have to see if Ryan Anderson can pick up. And if he doesn't, that may mean more minutes in certain matchups, including Oklahoma City, a potential playoff opponent, for the likes of P.J. Tucker and Luke Bamute. And here's the case for it. 
Where we've seen Ryan have trouble in the past is playing in space. We know he's not as athletic as a lot of forwards around the league, and Carmelo Anthony is stretched for. You can also throw Patrick Patterson, Oklahoma City's backup four in there, and he plays a lot the same way. These are stretch fours. These are guys that are going to challenge you on the perimeter. In the past, Oklahoma City's been a little bit of a big team. You would even see uh, see them play Steven Adams and Enos Cantor up front on rare occasions. They're not doing that anymore. They are embracing small ball. So you have to see how the Rockets match up. Now, the optimistic case is... Well, there's a couple of reasons for it. First, Carmelo is not a good rebounding power forward, and I think he even said last week at media day that he wasn't really going out there with that as his focus, so hopefully Ryan's deficiencies on the class, hopefully those are mitigated somewhat against Carmelo. The other thing, we've heard from Ryan, he did lose some weight. His priority going into this season, and in terms of his off-season work, was to get lighter, to get more agile, so that in theory he can play more in space, that his feet are not a liability, that he can move his feet. Well, Carmelo is going to be a big test because even though Carmelo is not a defensive presence, he's not a rebounder, of course he's a scorer, he can attack you from the perimeter, so we're going to see exactly how the new, lighter, more agile Ryan Anderson holds up in that setting. And hopefully it goes well, and if he's able to hold his own defensively, certainly Anderson having 28-foot range, you can potentially make Carmelo Anthony pay on the defensive end of the floor for Oklahoma City. So there are reasons to think that it could work out, and you, you want to hope for the best, because certainly this is not just a playoff opponent, but this is a style that's becoming more frequent and replicated all around the NBA, this stretch for this playmaker dynamic. And so you want to see how Ryan Anderson handles them. If he doesn't, then you do want to see that contrast. Okay, if Ryan doesn't fare that well, how do P.J. Tucker and Luke Bamute fare? While neither one of those guys is quite the shooter that Ryan is, they are better defenders. They are generally higher IQ players on the defensive end of the floor. They are better at playing in space, which is the thing that you question about Ryan. So I think you'll watch, and I'm sure Mike D'Antoni will as well, how all three of those guys do at the four against a team in Oklahoma City that plays small ball and a team who theoretically you could play in the playoffs again. So, yes, just one preseason game, but it's the same thing as the Clint Capella-Steven Adams matchup. At the end of the day, these... These are the same athletes. They're going up one-on-one in many cases. And while you can't take that much out of this game one of the preseason from a tactical standpoint, you can see how guys match up athletically. And so I'm going to be very curious to watch how those power forwards on the Rockets, the various options, Ryan Anderson and certainly P.J. Tucker, Luke Bamute. You can even throw Trevor Ariza in there as well because, of course, we've seen Trevor play the four at times in the past. And you could easily go small with Chris Paul, James Harden, and Eric Gordon all playing in a three-guard lineup for you. I'm sure we'll see that from time to time from the Rockets this season. So, yeah, I'll say all four of those guys, Anderson, Tucker, Bamute, Ariza, let's see who fares the best against this small ball attack led by uh, Carmelo Anthony and Patrick Patterson at the four for Oklahoma City. Now, my final thing to look for, again, these are unique angles, not the obvious things, such as James Harden, Chris Paul, how are they meshing, because we're watching for that every game. Final thing I'm looking for, and this is less about the uniqueness of Oklahoma City and more about the uniqueness of the first preseason game. Who is the fourth guard that gets the most minutes or plays the best? And by those guys, I'm referring to Troy Williams, Demetrius Jackson, Bobby Brown, Isaiah Taylor, etc., etc. To me, that's the spot where you have the most uncertainty as the Rockets enter the preseason. Because in terms of who could conceivably play at the forward spots or the center spots, we pretty much know. The forward spots is those four that I was just explaining. Trevor, Ryan, P.J. Tucker, Luke Bamute. Those are your four, and unless there are serious injuries or ridiculous foul trouble, that's the max on who's going to play. 
Centers, it's Clint Capella, Nene, and Tarek Black. That's set. The guards, it's Chris Paul, James Harden, Eric Gordon, and a lot of question marks. Now, that doesn't mean there's a rotation spot. Most games, it's going to be a three-guard rotation, and you don't really need a fourth because there's 96 minutes of the guard spots in between Chris Paul, James Harden, and Eric Gordon. They can cover those minutes. However, if there's foul trouble, and more than that, when there are maintenance games, I would bet high money there's certainly going to be some maintenance games for a 32-year-old Chris Paul, and there may be occasional ones for James Harden as well, given the way he seemed to wear down as the playoffs moved along last year. So who's going to be the guy that steps into those minutes? I think we can start to get some clue based on who Mike D'Antoni trusts the most at this point in the preseason. They've been practicing just a week, but you can tell a lot. Now, you can't tell definitively because last year in the preseason, they played K.J. McDaniels a lot. In fact, a couple of games in the preseason, they actually started McDaniels, and then just a few weeks in the regular season, you could tell that that trust had eroded and K.J. had played his way out. But you can often tell what Mike D'Antoni is thinking based on the opportunities that he gives. And when there are maintenance games, there's going to be opportunities all of a sudden for some of these guards that are now buried at the end of the bench to play not just a few minutes, but even 25, 30 minutes from time to time. So do they want the, the more veteran presence of a guy like Bobby Brown or even Troy Williams, even though he's young, certainly there's more of a veteran component to him. He's played major minutes in the past for uh, Memphis and Houston last season, two playoff teams. Or do you want to gamble a little bit more on the youth, the athleticism, the potential of guys like Isaiah Taylor, Demetrius Jackson, et cetera, et cetera? Honestly, I don't know. We've seen them all interchanged a lot from what Limited I've gotten to see in terms of their scrimmage action the first week of training camp. But of those four, I don't really know who is that best suited to step in immediately and play NBA action if the situation warrants it. Now, I don't think it's necessarily a point guard versus shooting guard dynamic, because I think with Chris Paul and James Harden, the Rockets feel pretty confident that they don't have to have just a backup point guard to be a point guard per se. I think they just want to play the best player available, and if it's a point guard or if it's a shooting guard in terms of their height, that's not really that big of a deal. But that means that there are four players who could conceivably have a route to minutes in that fourth guard that occasionally get run. And at this point, we don't really know who's leading that pack. So I think we can see A, who Mike D'Antoni trusts the most, and B, who's going out there and taking advantage of the opportunity. Again, it's not a direct path to rotation minutes, but it's the closest thing that you could have on a team that's this good, because conceivably you are either one maintenance game or one just random foul trouble game away from getting major minutes. So who is that fourth guard going to be? I don't know yet, but game one, we can start figuring out some clues. So, with that said, I think that's all I can uh, really think of at this point in terms of unique angles. Again, the final result isn't going to be that big of a deal. It's a preseason game. I understand that, and so I'm not really thinking that much in terms of tacticians, what the Rockets are going to be trying to do. No, their main objective is going to be just come out of it not hurt. And so whether they whether they win or lose, that's what really matters. But from an athletic standpoint, sure, you can tell a few things from the preseason and how guys match up. In fact, there are only going to be four matchups in the preseason in which the Rockets play against an NBA team. So I don't think they're going to waste it. I think you are going to see the regulars play. Now, I'm sure you'll see a cap on minutes. For example, I bet Chris Paul, James Harden, they play closer to 25 minutes than 35 or anything like that. I don't think Mike Cantoni's going to go crazy on it. But yeah, I would bet that you're going to see a, most of the regulars play. And I think there's also going to be a little bit of juice on both sides and that both Houston and Oklahoma City, they know they're playing a big time opponent, a likely playoff team. They know it's on national TV, on NBA TV. So there's going to be reasons for these guys to go go out, play hard and have some fun. So while I don't really 
see a ton of value in terms of who wins or loses the game. There are some individual things that I think we'll probably be able to pick up. And of course, after the show, I'll be right here on Lockdown Rockets to break it all down for you. But for now, uh, yeah, if you haven't already started following me or the show on Twitter, I encourage you to please do so. At Ben DuBose, that's for me. At Lockdown Rockets is the show, and we'll have updates over the next 24 hours as conditions warrant in terms of who's playing tomorrow night. Is Russell Westbrook officially going to sit out? We haven't heard it yet, but that's what I strongly suspect. Are the Rockets going to be ready to go? I'll keep you apprised on Twitter and, again, Lockdown Rockets if you want to follow the show. Also, um, Lockdown Rockets, please subscribe to us if you haven't already. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Boom, Wherever you subscribe or listen to your podcast, just search for us, uh, download us, rate us, subscribe. That's where we're able to bring the show to you on such a frequent basis. Also, email us, LockdownRockets at gmail.com. If you've got questions, suggestions, advertising inquiries, anything we can do to make this a better program. Also, one final plug, if you haven't checked out Lockdown Texans, that's our sister show on this Lockdown Podcast Network, I strongly encourage you to do so. That's hosted by my good friends Robert Land and Brian Patterson, but they've got a lot of great coverage of the Texans who are incredibly exciting right now. Deshaun Watson, rookie QB, is stepping up, playing incredibly well. Texans now tied for the AFC South lead with the undefeated Kansas City Chiefs coming to Houston for a huge Sunday night football game next week. So there's a lot of fun excitement going on with the Texans. If you haven't heard the uh, the counter, you know, my partners on this network over at Locked on Texans, uh, the counterparts to us here at Locked on Rockets, then I certainly encourage you to check out that as well. But for now, I hope everybody goes out and enjoys the rest of their Monday. Welcome back to the work week. And just think, we are now only 24 hours removed from actual basketball, which we'll be discussing t- just tomorrow night right here on Lockdown Rockets.